Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley. I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Okay, thank you. A moment there from Monday's jaw-dropping press conference in Helsinki by Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, which drew quite a reaction in the United States. A lot of people here in D.C. are absolutely freaking out about President Trump declining to have a strong condemnation of Russia. Uh, you have been watching perhaps one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president uh, at a summit in front of a Russian leader. I've been here for 30 years. I have never seen an American president simply surrender to the leader of Russia. You should call this the Surrender Summit. We're talking today about that summit between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin in Finland on Monday and the extraordinary comments afterwards by the US president in which he appeared to take the word of his Russian counterpart over that of his own intelligence agencies on the question of whether Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election. His comments have caused a predictable firestorm of criticism back home and a degree of shock indeed all around the world. What are we to make of them? And what are the longer term implications? Those are a couple of the questions I'll be putting to two of our in-house experts. Suzanne Lynch is our Washington correspondent and joins me now from there. And Patrick Smith is our Europe editor and indeed former Washington correspondent. And he joins me on the line from Brussels. Before I ask you both for your view on what happened on Monday and how you see things unfolding from here, can I ask you first, Suzanne, just to bring us up to date on developments? How have the president's comments gone down in the US? Um, well, the president arrived back here on Monday night to Washington to really um, a range of criticisms from not just Democrats, predictably, but also former intelligence officials and members of his own party. Um, I think when the press conference happened, there was a lull of about an hour or so uh, when some of the most senior Republicans, if you like, kept their head down. And then um, we saw one by one some of the most senior figures in Republican politics coming out and criticizing the president. Now, most of those uh, who criticized him, the most you know, visceral uh, critics, were uh, senators who are outgoing or not contesting the midterm elections and who have traditionally been quite critical of Donald Trump. But we also saw people like Paul Ryan, the House Speaker, although he is not running again, he criticised uh, President Trump. We saw eventually Mitch McConnell was asked about his comments uh, yesterday in the Senate, and he he said quite decisively, the Russians are not our friends. And he said, I've said that repeatedly, I say it again today. Um, and then people like Newt Green Gingrich coming out and saying this is the biggest mistake of uh, Donald Trump's presidency. So I think this is now uh, causing serious headaches for uh, Donald Trump and for his team. He has been riding high in the polls among his supporters in the last few months. It's been a relatively good few months for Donald Trump. His meeting with Kim Jong-un seemed to have played well with the American public. Um, the developments in the Supreme Court has been a real boost uh, for his uh, supporters. Uh, but this could be something that, that marks a changing point in terms of the support, particularly from the Republican establishment. And what about from his own support base? I mean, there's a pattern, isn't there, really, of um, Trump does or says something controversial. Um, he gets ast- attacked by the media. But the more the so-called establishment attacks him, the more his own support base seems to like it. It's probably a bit early to say, but how do you think these events will go down with them? 
I mean, I think you're right in that, um, you know, foreign, most of uh, Trump's, or a lot, some of uh, Donald Trump's support base don't particularly care about foreign policy. I met some Democrats last night, and that's what they, exactly they said to me. They said, well, look, is this going to have really an effect on Donald Trump, really, when it comes to the polls? Is it going to really affect his, his support base? No, because uh, that is not what motivates these voters uh, to vote. In saying that, as I say, I think um, the, the kind of sense that Donald Trump was so out of his depth at the press conference on Monday, the sense that... Um, um, he was an amateur that the way he came across as a novice and uh, may may play badly with his base. Uh, they want an American president to be tough. The Republican Party is not traditionally the party of, of appeasement, essentially, which is what the Donald Trump seemed to argue in his opening statement. Um, so we may see a kind of subtle shift in how he's perceived as kind of more of a, of a fool um, of someone who's weak rather than a strong leader. And that might subtly maybe play into his support base. And of course, I think if, if something is to happen, for example, on the North Korea um, side of things, that Kim Jong-un, we've had mumblings about uh, there, of course, that they have not really committed to denuclearization. That, that story has gone quiet here at the moment, but if anything was to resurface on North Korea, combined with this disastrous press conference, I think that could spell trouble for Donald Trump's support. What, what was your own first impression as you watched this live yesterday? Did you have that kind of feeling that, oh, oh this is a moment here? Well, yes, I sat through endless press conferences here in Washington and seen Donald Trump stand up beside other leaders and, and, and be, you know, be shocked at what he, what he said. I remember being here for the Paris, when he, when he pulled out of the Paris Climate Change Agreement and made these kind of outrageous, outlandish statements. But I think Monday was worse than expected. Um, I think, as I say, the fact that the power dynamics were was so uh, shocking, that Putin was so obviously in control, um, you know, he's a professional, the way he stood there, um, directly, calmly um, refuting the findings of US intelligence agencies and Donald Trump never picked him up on that was just very difficult to watch. So I think um, most of the country here was uh, was quite shocked about Donald Trump's performance. Uh, he was he was riffing on, on, te on themes like the DNC, like Hillary Clinton, and it was pretty embarrassing to watch. And I think uh, not just only uh, networks like CNN and MSNBC that are traditionally hostile to Donald Trump, but even Fox News, I mean, that's an interesting uh, point about how they are going to respond to this uh, because uh, I think there was even so, there was some criticism even among Fox News commentators about his performance uh, in Helsinki on Monday. It was the time and the place for the president to look Putin squarely in the eye and said, you will be punished for what you did in 2016 and don't ever think about doing that again. But he didn't. And that's he what didn't. made it disgusting. That's what made his performance disgusting. I'm sorry, it's just the only way I feel. It's not a right or left thing to me. It's just wrong. A U.S. president on foreign soil talking to our biggest enemy or adversary or competitor, I, I don't know how we define them these days, is essentially letting the guy get away with this. Paddy, you used the word fiasco to describe um, Trump's performance in your piece in today's Irish Times. Where would you place it in recent historical terms? Have you seen anything like it involving a US president before this? No, I, I don't think I have. And, and I don't think uh, anybody here has either. And, and so, you know, I mean, we keep being bewildered by uh, Trump and his performance. I think the most important thing here is to see uh, the, the the context of his um, Helsinki visit in in terms of of uh, this being the end of a tour of of Europe. I mean, he had been to Brussels to the NATO summit. He had been to London to to meet the Queen and and Mrs May, and in those places he had succeeded in alienating allies. And in fact, went for them, really, or no holes barred, uh, on really important political issues that, that they faced. 
And, and the contrast between the way in which he treated notionally allies, but who we referred to later as, as foes, and the, the way he treated Putin with, with kid gloves uh, was really the most uh, shocking uh, thing from pe people's point of view here. We were sort of aware that he didn't take his intelligence services advice uh, seriously, but, but really uh, the extent to which he is prepared to alienate um, old friends for the sake of a notional alliance with this with this dictator and autocrat, uh, Putin, it was extraordinary. And I think, Paddy, that's a really important point, and it's worth recapping on some of the things he said on this sort of mini tour of Europe. I mean, he berated NATO leaders for failing to spend enough on defence. He went as far as to say that Germany was under the direct control of Russia because it's buying some of its energy from, from there. Um, he attacked Theresa May in a newspaper interview before being nice to her the next day. So where does all of this leave US-Europe relations now? Well, it, 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 he keeps talking about how Moscow... Uh, e, uh, U.S. relations had, had never been worse until this extraordinary moment, and, and he improved them all dramatically. The truth is that it's EU-U.S. relations which are in a perilous state. We're, we're engaged in, a, in effectively the beginnings of a trade war with, with the Americans at the moment. Uh, we find him attacking and undermining the multilateral institutions, which have been the building blocks of European peace in the course of the, of the post-war uh, period, NATO uh, and the EU, he is, he's been scathing about, about the EU. He wants to undermine the World Trade Organization. And, and so this, this sense of uh, a war against uh, multilateralism by uh, Trump is deeply perturbing. And, and it really does mark a very serious low point in, in uh, US-EU uh, relations. And there was a, a consensus of which the EU and of which the US was very much part that in the post-war period it would build, they would build uh, collective uh, multilateral institutions to keep the peace and to, to build a, a rules-based uh, trading order. And, and that, 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 that pillar, if you like, of the post-war world uh, has, has been taken away. And there are genuine fears now, aren't there, in Europe about the, US's the United States' commitment to defending its NATO allies against Russian attack. Do you think those fears are overblown or should we really be concerned now? Well, I, th I, think, I think that the, there is still a US commitment to, to, to European defence. Uh, I, I think that, that if we were looking at a situation where there was a realistic possibility of an assault by uh, Russia on on uh, Europe, uh, then it would be much more much more worrying. Uh, but I think the the, the reality is that uh, Russia has been picking at the edges in, in Ukraine, in in uh, in uh, in, uh, in places that it regards as uh, its its natural territory. One of the things that people wanted to, to uh, well that we believed that Trump wanted to come out of this meeting with, with uh, Putin and and Putin likewise was a sense. Of, of the Yalta conference at which uh, Churchill and, and Roosevelt sat down and carved up Europe into spheres of influence, Putin would very much like uh, an American acknowledgement that Ukraine, for example, is a sphere of, of influence. He bitterly resents NATO's intrusion into the into the uh, Baltic uh, and the uh, Balkan states, and uh, he has been quite successful in what looks like uh, an American rollback on, on to that idea of, of Russian spheres of influence all, all around Europe. 
And Suzanne, what do you think about that? Are, are, are we witnessing something fundamental here, like a, a deliberate pivot by the White House away from its long-established alliances with Europe? Or, or is there more chaos than strategy at work here? Well, precisely, I think it's chaos and strategy. I mean, I think one of the most interesting uh, points and contradictions to emerge from this is that, in fact, after the NATO summit, America, Donald Trump signed off on a NATO communique that was actually um, quite quite critical of Russia. It was quite strong against Russia. It, you know, denounced Russia's aggressive actions and accused Russia of undermining Euro-Atlantic security and the rules-based international order. Donald Trump signed that uh, in Brussels. So we have got a situation where the U.S. president seems to be freewheeling his way through foreign policy. He is actually at odds with his own advisors, his own team of advisors and the U.S. foreign policy establishment, both within his own party and, and more generally. And so we have people like John Bolton who are at that meeting, uh, his national security advisor, the second meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin yesterday. And no fan of Russia. Has, um, exactly, no fan of Russia. So I think that's what's, um, what's really worrying people about his performance on Monday, that he seems to have been completely disconnected with his own administration, his own closest advisors. Uh, advice, if you like. And he, he said it himself by uh, mentioning Dan Coates, uh, his own hand-picked um, uh, intelligence advisor, and saying that he essentially did not agree with his findings, his, his belief that uh, Russia interfered with the election. And then Dan Coates did put out a statement saying the opposite um, on Monday afternoon, by the way, prompting speculation, you know, could we have a resignation there in the next few days? So we've got this extraordinary spectacle of a US president who I said is just going it alone uh, very literally on these hugely complex and hugely important foreign policy issues that are affecting America and the world. I think that one of the interesting things, the subtexts of, of, of the meeting uh, uh, um, on, on Monday was the idea that uh, Putin was certainly like um, an end to sanctions against uh, Russia for over the, the Crimea. And um, it was clear that uh, Trump didn't actually promise the end to sanctions, but there was, a, there was a sense that maybe they were coming down the road. And of course, it's not easy for Trump to promise the end of sanctions because it's not a decision that he can take unilaterally. But but Europeans are extremely worried by the mood music on the issue. And I mean, that's where the Republican Congress comes in, because the big question is now, some Republicans are standing up to Trump and what can they do? But as, as Paddy says there, I mean, Congress would have a role here to play on sanctions. And I think the Democrats would be really holding Republicans to account now. They don't water down the position on sanctions, that they don't water down their position in Russia on things like the Mueller investigation. And that these are the only ways, if you like, that Russia, that the that Congress, the Republican members of Congress can uh, keep Donald Trump's um, powers over Russia in check. And, and picking up as well, Suzanne, on that point of... of um Paddy's, as bad as things were on Monday, you, you made the point in, in an opinion piece today, there, it could have been worse in some respects. There were some things people were fearful Trump might do, but he seems not to have done, such as, for example, giving Russia a pass on, on Crimea. Yeah, exactly. Or the sanctions, for example, there was no statement about that. There were also fears, uh, Donald Trump recently has suggested um, that maybe he would be willing to look at pulling out NATO military exercise um, over the Baltics. And that would be a huge, a huge concern to those uh, Baltic countries that feel that they're in that sphere of, of ex-Soviet influence in, in that part of Europe. Um, so it, to that extent, yes, there, there was, um, it could have been worse. You know, he, 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 the failures of Donald Trump were really his, his, the issue over the Russian meddling in the US elections. He didn't commit America to anything much, you know, in terms of, of policy. Even the, um, even the few deliverables, if we can call them that, um, about, you know, nuclear disarmament cooperation. That was all very vague. We got no specifics. Similarly on Syria, 
um, apart from what we expected, uh, some words about um, uh, keeping Israel, uh, if you like, happy in terms of what's happening on the border there. Um, that Yes, that was mentioned, but again, no huge specifics there. Uh, so in a way, some parts of, of the foreign policy world will be breathing a sigh of relief that it, it wasn't worse in terms of what he actually signed up to on Monday. Of course, we still don't know for sure what was said in, in their private discussion. Very true, very true. I mean, it, this is the thing. He was there for two hours on his own uh, with Putin. And they did say they discussed issues like Syria, um, like Russia meddling and like, meddling and like uh, Crimea. So watch the space in a sense. There have been calls uh, from some Democrats here for some kind of a, a hearing before Congress. Um, not from the president, who, who won't be compelled to do that, but maybe from some of his advisors uh, to find out a bit more about what happened in that meeting. Because now there's not only accusations of treason, but of absolute incompetence by his president. And there are demands now that people uh, are told more about what actually happened in this meeting. Because as you say, there is a fear about if this is what he said in the press conference, well then what did go on uh, behind closed doors when both men were alone apart from translators? And I thought, Paddy, it was, it was remarkable at the press conference that Putin almost seemed to recognise the need to bail Trump out. I mean, it was Putin who said that Trump had raised Crimea um, and, and, and Trump stayed standing silently. It was Putin also who said, well, of course, I don't trust him. He doesn't trust me. It was Putin almost did Trump's tough talk for him. Yeah, I mean, you could see, actually, that Trump, uh, that, that Putin was amused by the uh, contortions that uh, uh, he saw uh, emerging from from the president. I, I was particularly struck by the the, the long, elaborate response uh, by Putin to a question about whether or not he had uh, blackmail material on on uh, uh, Trump, and and he 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 laughed and said, you know, um, I didn't know who he was at the time. Uh, do you expect us to uh, find compromising material on all the thousands of businessmen from the U.S. who visit America? Well, the answer British intelligence has always given to that particular question is yes. No British businessman going to Russia uh, was safe uh, for for many many years from. Uh, very close supervision, uh, and and Trump didn't, and um, Putin didn't actually deny uh, that that he might have such material. Um, I thought perhaps say it was a pretty preposterous question to ask because he was hardly hardly going to respond in any other way. Yes, also, and I think it was the New York Times that pointed out qu- quickly that when Trump was on that visit to Moscow, he invited Putin to the Miss Universe uh, contest. So Putin did know that Trump was in Russia at that time. And also, to come in there, Chris, exactly that, that Donald Trump claimed in 2014 that Putin sent him a beautiful present with a beautiful note. So actually, Trump has suggested two or three times that Putin did know that uh, Donald Trump, um, that Donald Trump was in the country. So it appears that Putin was was it was a barefaced lie that he did know Donald Trump was in the country at that point. And um, but as Paddy said there, I think it's significant that he did not deny outright. Um, he he waffled. He spoke for ages, as Paddy explained there. But he did not actually say deny outright that he had incriminating uh, evidence uh, on Donald Trump, which I think is significant. And Suzanne, all this is playing out against the backdrop of the special counsel investigation into Russian interference. Uh, Trump has tried everything, including yesterday, he can do to thrash that investigation, but it's not working for him, is it? No, and I mean, I think it's significant that just hours after the summit concluded, a, a 26th Russian was, arrived, was indicted um, on charges relating to interference in the presidential election. This is a 29-year-old Russian, Maria Butina, who lives here in Washington. Uh, she appeared in court in Washington here on Monday. Um, charged uh, with, with espionage, essentially. Uh, and, you know, documents uh, that were revealed in, in this court hearing yesterday 
uh, showed that Ms. Butina told associates that her efforts had been approved by, by Mr. Putin. Um, so I think uh, following the indictment on Friday of uh, the 11, the 12 uh, Russian individuals for hacking the, the DNC um, server, I think, uh, you know, the timing could not be more difficult for Donald Trump because I think, um, you know, this Mueller investigation is continuing at pace. It's continuing in the background, even though this arrest on Monday actually was by, by um, you know... By yeah, it's a separate investigation. Mm. Yes, exactly. It's kind of in parallel, if you like, of the Mueller investigation. But still, I mean, I think it indicates the extent that this has not gone away for Donald Trump. And Chuck Schumer, the Democratic, uh, top Democrat in the Senate, said yesterday that there's now a huge question... Um, you know, reigning over the White House is why on earth is Donald Trump cozying up to President Putin? Is there something we don't know? And I think that might be a question now that some Republicans are now seriously getting worried about. Why is this man cozying up to President Putin when, as Paddy was saying, he undermined so many of, of, of America's allies? And I think even they are, make it, are getting worried slightly about what will be uh, revealed by this Mueller investigation. The, one of the strange uh, things about, about Trump's uh, defense of, of himself in relation to these, these investigations was that he uh, launched into a, a sort of tirade saying there was no evidence of collusion. There, there is no evidence of collusion. And he went on and on about collusion. And Putin was happy to row in and say, of course, there was no collusion. What they were doing was deliberately obfuscating the difference between the two charges against uh, against Trump and the Russians. One is the collusion allegation, which is still to be proven. And the other is the Russian interference in the American elections, which is quite clearly, uh, um, there is quite clear and, and strong evidence of. And yet uh, Trump decided he had to also come in later in the, in the in the interview and 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 rubbish the claims of russian interference and say that he preferred the evidence of putin against his intelligence services that was really quite remarkable and quite unnecessary if you just think about uh, his self-preservation strategy in, in, in terms of American politics. But isn't the problem there, Ego, Paddy, the problem for Trump is he can't brook the idea that there was interference because that then leads to the logical conclusion that perhaps this interference, whether he colluded or not, but that this interference was what put him in the White House. Well, it's certainly a part of his obsession. You can see uh, and his his strange rant about what, what about the server? Why, why didn't they look at the server? Where is the server? Uh, you know, a discussion which many Americans would have understood but would be completely lost on an international audience. And so finally, Paddy, and I'll come to Suzanne in a sec, how much damage do you think Trump did to himself yesterday? I think there's a problem with with analysing Trump, is that every time we come at these moments when when he disgraces himself and he, uh, he embarrasses his country... Uh, we say this is this must be the final straw. But in, in truth, uh, I am not sure that it is the final straw. I'm not sure that there's, for example, indictable uh, material in what he did yesterday. It's politically very damaging. And I would say that it, it is certainly going to uh, uh, hit Republican candidates in the, in the uh, midterm elections. But it, has it actually shifted the balance to the point that it's actually going to finally undermine him? I, I suspect not. And what do you think, Suzanne? Would there be a, me- a medium to longer term significance to what happened on Monday? I mean, I think it, it depends on what happens with the Mueller investigation. Depending on what happened, what what emerges from that, I mean, this could be go down as one of the worst press conferences in history. The kind of Bill Clinton, I did not have sexual relations with that woman moment, um, when he stood there beside Vladimir Putin and said, "There is no collusion." 
So, you know, I think we may look back on this moment of history as being one of the defining moments of his presidency. But as Paddy says, we've been here before. His supporters have stuck with him through a lot. Um, but I do think this might be nibbling again at his authority and just his competence. And that may start... Uh, playing into his popularity ratings. We may see Democrats trying to really focus in on that ahead of the midterms. You know, this man is not competent. He's not capable to conduct himself on the, on the international stage. He's essentially a pe an appeaser who kind of meets with these these hard man guys and, and give, gets nothing, absolutely zero in return. Um, so that, you know, I think that would be a strategy that would uh, resonate with a lot of Republican voters, the kind of traditional conservative law and order, patriotic Republicans. I think that's the only thing um, that may, um, you know, help to bolster uh, Democrats' chances and, and try and get political capital from uh, this disastrous uh, press conference on Monday. OK, well, we'll leave it there for now. That's um, from Suzanne Lynch in Washington and Patrick Smith in Brussels. Thanks a lot for joining us today. That's all for this week. For more on these and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.